Hello and welcome to the Refs Need Love To podcast, a show that gives you a real, raw, and behind-the-scenes view of one of the hardest jobs in the pitch, the referee. I'm your host, David Gerson, a grassroots referee with seven years of experience, actually eight years of experience, and over 1,200 matches under my belt. My gosh, I need to update my intro. And you can find me at refsneedlove2.com and on TikTok and now on Instagram, which I'm really trying to pick it up. This week, we got a more smorgasbord of topics, a veritable cornucopia from middle school to my mailbag, and I hope you enjoy. So let's hit middle school, what I love about it. Let me tell you, middle school is joy for me. Uh, I do MLS Next matches, ECNL matches, some of the highest levels of youth academy competition at all ages from 13 to 19. I do adult amateur, and then I do middle school. And let me tell you, middle school should be fun. It should be pure, unadulterated joy. Unadulterated, I think is a very important thing here, because adults make youth sports bad. Sometimes, sometimes they can be the worst part of youth sports in America, and it kills me. Um, for those who don't know, uh, middle school here in America is kids that are in what we would call sixth grade to eighth grade. Uh, so it is 12 year old to about 14 year old kids. Um, these teams, these are not academy teams, and the areas where I do refereeing generally do not have academy players. I say that simply to set the scene, not that I lament the fact that there's no academy players. I actually love refereeing soccer or football, whatever you call it. I don't care about the skill level. I will tell you, actually, sometimes it is more difficult to referee lower level of skill matches because the game is much more congested. Uh, the fouls, if there are fouls, can be very clumsy. Um, the over-under for these games are not how many goals will be scored. It's how many foul throw-ins will there, be? <laughs> will there be. I mean, honestly, I feel like a good part of what I do out there is teaching um, sometimes more than I am actually being a referee. And that's not a bad thing. This should be a place where kids can come. And they can compete and have fun and enjoy themselves and fall in love with the game of soccer. That is what it should be. Um, I love the people I meet when I come to these middle school games. My fellow referees, one guy I ref with last week is from Haiti and French speaking. One guy I ref with uh, yesterday and on Wednesday was from Cameroon and French speaking. And one of the coaches was from Togo and he's French speaking. So it was cool hanging around with my friends and going, bonjour, salut, ça va? And having a great time meeting people from all over the world, which is really cool. Uh, but sometimes, the coaches and the parents can turn this into something it is not, okay, which is a, you know, win at all costs, zero-sum game, where if you're not winning, like every challenge, every moment, you know, giving up a goal, it is the end of the world. Why does everything have to freaking be like that in this society? Why can't there be some places, such as middle school, where there is no championship, no one's getting scholarships, like there, there is no like promotion and relegation. Why can't this just be where kids come to get a little exercise, have some fun, compete, play an organized game of soccer? I am telling you, 95% of the kids that are on these pitches playing these middle school matches where I, I am do not play organized soccer. And you can tell that because I know like in my affluent suburb that I live in, 
our schools do not even have middle school soccer. And a big part of the reason why is because many of those kids who would play actually play in academies and they wouldn't be able to do both. Okay. So these schools that actually have middle school soccer, they actually do not have a lot of kids who play in academy soccer. Um, actually, I, and I'm just going to set the scene uh, for you. I live in the uh, southwest uh, side of Atlanta, just south of the perimeter here. Um, but if you know the area, a very diverse area of Atlanta, and uh, inside the, the perimeter of Atlanta, uh, in, in the area where I am in South Fulton County, um, very diverse. Yesterday at the soccer field, I was the, and I'm just saying to set the scene, okay, um, I was the only Caucasian person on the entire pitch including my fellow referee, all the parents, all the players, the only one. Okay. It is, you know, generally in America, soccer is, you know, or has been historically, you know, a Caucasian suburban sport. Now I know it's grown in popularity and obviously, you know, it, you know, our Latino community and people from other parts of the world, you know, play football, soccer, you know, just as their kind of native sport and what they love. But and the main sport of the countries they're coming from, but historically it has not necessarily been an inner city sport. Now in Atlanta, we have soccer in the streets, which is an unbelievable program that's bringing soccer to all parts of Atlanta and all people of Atlanta, but has not been historically the thing. So when you go to the soccer pitches that I go to where, you know, the grass might be three inches long, maybe they have lines, maybe they don't have lines or the lines were, you know, painted two weeks ago, but they've mowed since then. You can't see the lines and they don't have corner flags and we use little cones and they don't have the goals properly secured. And we've got to use book bags, whatever we go there to get to play, to allow these kids to play the beautiful game and hopefully fall in love with it. Um, one time I had a middle school match and I kid you not, not kidding. This is real true story. I know it's story time, but this is a true story where one middle school coach, and this was someone who knows what they're doing. Their kid played at a high level academy, he used to play on my son's team. Um, and he was a high school coach. One of his players who barely had skill to kick a ball, you know, kind of miskicked it, go, the, the ball going forward, went behind him. And so he runs and kicks it back towards his goalkeeper. And the coach screams out loud at this kid for everyone to hear. I mean, you sitting across the pitch, man, I tell you, if you're half a mile away, you may have heard this guy scream. He's got a really loud voice and he screamed, if you ever kick the ball backward again, that's going to be the end of your middle school career. I'm like, what? (laughs) Are you kidding? I mean, like just in shock, like seriously. And you hear parents at these games and coaches at these games sometimes just screaming at these kids for every single, you know, bad pass, well, pass, there's not many passes, but bad touch, mistake these kids made. I mean, my gosh, can we not have some place that people can go just to have the joy of playing a sport and competing? Can there be a safe place, some place for these kids? I mean, my gosh, I think about myself as a kid and We'd go out in the streets. I grew up in New York City and you'd go out in the middle of the street and we'd play stickball and we'd play football and we'd play basketball and we just, we just played and we had fun. And it seems like so few kids just get to go someplace to play and have fun and, and enjoy the love of competing and, and getting sweaty and, and running around with your friends. Why can't there be a place like that anymore? Especially here in the suburbs, man, I, I, or in the inner city, both. It's just, It is so, so saddening to me. 
so saddening for me. So I wish, you know, coaches would be a little bit more focused on making sure that the kids get to participate, uh, that they get to have fun and they keep all the negative energy, uh, away from the pitch. That, that's what I hope for middle school, but I love it. I wind up teaching just as much as I am refereeing. And I think that's so important and helping people understand the laws of the game, helping people understand how to do a correct throw in. That's a good thing. Helping people, you know, like the goalkeeper. Hey, you can take the ball all the way to the edge of that, that penalty area there before you kick it as opposed to right in their goal mouth. Um, you know, things like that, uh, you know, calling fouls so that they recognize that this is not American football and you can't just like drop your shoulder into <laughs> a kid and completely, you know, crush him. I mean, I gave a yellow card to a kid last night and it's a teaching tool and he was great the rest of the game. You know, I mean, I like, like literally two minutes into the game, he completely runs. He was probably the biggest uh, kid on the pitch and runs completely through, um, you know, this girl, it was a co-ed game, like just like after she had released the ball, like hard. And I, you know, first time foul and I, and I walked up and I'm like, Hey man, don't do that. Please play the ball. Please make a challenge on the ball. You can't go through the player like that. And not two minutes later, similar thing. Someone kicks the ball up the field and he crushes him, lowers the shoulder and, and hits him. I mean, it wasn't violent conduct, um, but it was definitely reckless. And I gave the yellow card. And that yellow card is a teaching moment. It's like, hey, man, I want you on this pitch. I want you here playing, but you cannot continue to do that. And so they sub off in middle school, high school here. Coach gets to talk to him. And the rest of the match, he was great. He was great. He knew he was more athletic. And instead of running through people, he'd run around them to go get the ball. It was wonderful. So it's a it's a, a teaching moment as a referee. And I love those moments. As much as I love the high-level academy, I love going to places where people are learning the game and hopefully falling in love with the game for the rest of their life. So, oh, gosh, love that stuff. I just wish adults wouldn't make it so negative for the kids out there. All right. Next topic here. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw my videos this week, but I posted a video about the Marshall University and University of Central Florida um, soccer match that ended very controversially. Okay, so the, the scene is it's one nothing, and there's like 50 seconds left and UCF kicks the ball from their side of the pitch, the goalkeeper in on a long shot to try and play it up to um, someone who could head the ball in. Didn't work out. Keeper for Marshall catches the ball and, um, you know, waits for everyone to get out and he's going to then play the ball up the pitch. Now, when he catches this, one of the UCF attackers uh, does, and he's like at the penalty spot, decides that he's going to try and hide from the goalkeeper and maybe catch the goalkeeper off guard when he puts the ball down to, to play it up the pitch. And he does do that. He actually does hide from the goalkeeper and sneaks up from behind and takes it, pokes the ball to one of his fellow attackers and they wind up scoring and run to the corner and celebrate thinking they've tied it one, one with like 25 seconds left. And everyone is going bananas, absolutely bananas, but wait, there's more. So the assistant referee on that side of the pitch notices that not only does this player uh, on UCF walk towards the goal to try and hide behind the goalkeeper. He actually steps off of the pitch. So off the pitch, probably a yard off the pitch by one of the goalposts in an effort to try and hide. So he is deliberately leaving the field of play without the referee's permission. Because if it's 
you know, part of the play, like running down the sideline and you kind of tap a ball back in and you're running outside of the, the touchline, or you go to header a ball on a corner and you wind up going, you know, off the field and you come back on, that's totally fine. But when you deliberately decide to walk off the pitch to hide to try and deceive someone, well, that's a cautionable offense and against the laws of the game. And this assistant referee on that side of the pitch saw that, knew that was what was going on, and specifically you know, mentioned it to the referee. This is a collegiate game and they had comms. So he was talking into the referee's ear, but when the goal was scored, he did not run up the, the touchline to signal a goal. He stayed, but referee went over to him. They had that conversation and made the difficult call walking over to the coaches and explaining, I'm sorry, that player deliberately left the field without permission. You know, that's a cautionable offense. You know, it is no goal and waved it off and man, everyone went bananas, but my gosh, what an amazing realization from that assistant referee. I mean, that is not a common play. It's not something you expect to happen. And that's one of the things about being a referee. You got to be ready for anything. Every game is different. I think that's why I love it so much. Huge credit to this assistant referee for being aware, for recognizing what was going on, for communicating what was going on, and standing strong in a very, very highly charged situation, which he knew this was going to be an unpopular decision, right? If he didn't say anything, easy, goal, who cares? Everyone moves forward, no problem. But let me tell you, my high school yearbook quote, it is better to stand alone for the right reasons than be together for the wrong. Let me say that one more time. It is better to stand alone for the right reasons than be together for the wrong. That is our job as referees. We make calls. We make decisions based on the laws of the game. Even if we know it might make someone upset, that's not our concern. Our concern is implementing the laws of the game based on our knowledge of our game and what we saw in that moment in time. So kudos to that referee. A wonderful job. I mean, just should be, you know, get an award at the end of the year for making that call. It was huge. All right, next topic. Ontario. That's right, the province of Ontario, Canada, uh, where I, I lived and worked for about four years of my life, is going to start trialing body cams. That's right, body cams. And that is fantastic news. In England, they trialed body cams up in the Liverpool area and incidences of assault and abuse went down dramatically. It's true. People simply behave better when they know they are on camera. That is a simple fact. Referees feel more confident dealing with situations of dissent and hard fouls because they know they're protected by the camera. Now, let me explain a little bit about how this camera actually works. It is not capturing 100% of the match because the data storage on that would be brutal. And then also the post uh editing, if you will, the video editing would be difficult as well. Essentially how this thing works, it hangs in the center of the chest. And if they, the referee feels like they need to capture something, uh, that someone is, is, is becoming threatening or there's verbal dissent, they simply tap the camera in their chest and it records or captures the previous 30 seconds. So it's always recording, but only holding on to a certain amount of data. So they tap that and it captures what was happening the 30 seconds before and continues until they tap the camera again to shut it off. And it's dramatic as to what has happened. Dramatic. They have had zero, I'm talking zero physical assaults since these cameras have in place. They've got 100 referees trying this, zero. The dissents have gone down dramatically. Incidents of verbal abuse and dissent have gone down 
dramatically, over 90%. Because what happens is someone will start to lose their head and one of their buddies will be like, yeah, 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 yeah. he's got a camera on. <laughs> shut, shut up. <laughs> okay, and they've tried other things. They, you know, last year they had the sin bin where, and if you're not familiar, I played rugby when I was uh, in university and that was my first refereeing. Um, you know, for a couple of years I was a rugby referee. Um, but a sin bin is where if someone gets a yellow card for dissent specifically, they have in uh, football trials over in England that they have to go out for 10 minutes. So if you dissent, you know, there's a, you could do a, a regular yellow card, but you could also do a, a yellow card for a sin bin as well for the dissent that was really over the top. And so people have to, their team has to play down to 10 men for 10 minutes, which by the way, I love, I love, I love, and I wish we would have that here in the US. Um, even without cameras, that's fantastic. Let's do it. And that has been helpful um, but it's not nearly as effective as the camera. Absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for U.S. soccer to wake up and allow us here in the United States to use technology like this on these types of trials. I mean, please sign me up. Hey, if you know anyone at U.S. soccer, you know, who can approve this, you know, bring it. Yo, I would love to do this. That would be fantastic. Also, can I give another shout out again for communication devices? Uh, why in the world do we have a blanket ban on these things? It is so absolutely stupid. It is so short-sighted. It drives me insane, especially for high-level matches like MLS Next and ECNL matches that I do. I would love to use comms devices on those matches with my fellow officials. Things are happening fast. Players are intelligent. You know, we're playing offside traps. You know, we, we got people, you know, pulling people, you know, behind the play. That's hard to see as a center referee. I want my ARs to be talking in my ears. I mean, I want to be able to talk to them. Like, why can't we do this? My gosh. Um, another thing about comms devices, one of my son's, um, former teammates, he decided after high school that he was going to go try and make it as a professional player in Europe. And unfortunately, he's not able to get his visa situation worked out. And so after six months, he's now having to come home. Um, he you know, did not apply to college because he was you know, really going to try and make it as a, as a professional player and has to come back home. And until he can go to, to college again, we're going to take a quick break for words from our sponsor. It's better than an in-game water break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. You know, hopefully this spring, if he can get in um, into in January, he wants to work. And he reached out to me. He's like, hey, you know, I'd love to ref. And I'm like, great. That'd be great. You know, go get your online certification. You know, you'll do your in-person. You'll be great. I'd love to ref with you. And man, I think about him and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I was able to use comms with him because it would so accelerate his learning curve. You know, whether he was working as an assistant referee and he's sitting, you know, on the sign, whether he was literally just watching me ref and he's sitting in the stands and listening to me. 
oh my gosh, uh, and hearing my thought process and decisions and, and talking about where I am on the pitch. Where am I setting up for this corner kick? Where am I setting up for this free kick? You know, where, what angle am I running, you know, to get in the right position for this counterattack? Um, my thought process on foul. Why is that a reckless foul? Why is that, you know, a careless foul? Why is that serious foul play and excessive force and brutality? All of those things. If he was in the center of the pitch, I'm sure he would have questions for me too. If I was working as his assistant referee, man, I could even give him feedback, you know, Hey, 45 degree angle, 45 degree angle. Okay. Make sure you hold that flag up on that offside. Okay. Show me where the location is now. Is it, is it close? Is it medium? Is it far? I mean, like all of those things would be so much faster, so much more efficient if I had the use of comm. So I'm sorry. I know I've, I've blown this whistle a few times and two to that horn, but man, it just really, um, drives me nuts. A couple more topics here. Um, if you are a listener to this podcast, you'll know that I, I was invited as a featured speaker to come on up to the National Association of Women's Gymnastics Judges uh, Conference um, about a month or two back. And it was wonderful. And I was a featured speaker there and I got for an hour to be in person. It was fabulous. Well, I was recently asked by one of the regions, because uh, not everyone goes to these national conferences, to do something for uh, their uh, judges in their region. And so I did a webinar for them. And in addition to the content that I talked about with referee assault and abuse, I also went into the topic of uh, the culture that we want to create for our fellow uh, officials and judges, because that is absolutely key to developing the next generation, but also just creating an environment where we can do our best work. If you feel that you're not respected or you feel that you're being uh, treated unfairly by your fellow judges or it's not a welcoming environment, I would say that is not a great place to do your best work. If you are, I mean, just even in a professional environment, if you have happy employees who feel trusted and supported, they're going to do better work than employees who feel like they're constantly dismissed and they're talked down to, and they, they don't feel that they can do their best work, that their mind's not in the right place because they're too self-conscious about, you know, what if I do something wrong or something of that nature, or maybe that person doesn't like me. So I think it's really important that we recognize that creating a culture among fellow officials starts with us. I'm a big believer in be the change you wish to create. I'm also a big uh, believer in, in treating people as you would want to be treated. I recognize that as officials, maybe when you were coming up as a, as a referee or an official or judge or umpire, or whatever you were, maybe you worked with some senior level uh, referees or umpires or uh, whatever that might be, and they weren't very nice and they talked down to you and maybe they didn't give you the time of day. Don't be that guy or girl. Don't be that person. Please try and create a culture of love and respect and support because when you were first starting out and you were only one year in or two years in or two days in, you made mistakes. Don't criticize people for that. Help them learn from those mistakes. Okay. Help me understand your decision that you made as opposed to saying, man, you really messed that one up. You know, Hey, walk me through that call. Um, you didn't wind up making a, a calling a foul on that one. Why do you feel that that was not a foul? What did you see? You know, and, and again, ask questions, help them discover the answer. Okay. You can't force someone to learn, but you can help someone learn. Be that person who's helpful. 
and creates that culture of love and respect so that they gain confidence and gain experience and want to stick with it. Again, 70 to 80% of referees leave in the first three years. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution and be kind and supportive of one another. It's really important for us to do that. Um, this one is a specific request. So next topic here, I had a request from Claire over in the UK. And if you're listening, Claire, Hey, <laughs> thank you so much for reaching out to me. Not everyone has TikTok, which I've learned. And so I've started up my Instagram a bit more, um, but also people dig this podcast and she wanted to specifically ask, what do I say to teams pre-match? Now I, for a large part of my adult life was actually a professional trainer, like sales trainer. And I know that if you try and tell someone 10 things, they'll remember nothing. That's right. If you say 10 things, they'll remember nothing, nothing at all. So it's really important that you keep your pregame really, really focused. And the most important thing for me is communication. So when I go up, yes, I do make sure that players are properly equipped. You know, they're wearing their right uniforms, numbers and everything got that and they got their shin guards and and I and I make a little joke about, "Hey guys, please make sure all earrings are out, nose rings, belly rings, you know, tongue rings, all those things. Please get anything metallic out before you step onto this pitch. And I don't care if it's got tape on it, if it's in your ear, it's coming out or you're not playing." So I do address that. Um, you know, I keep it pretty short and sweet. Uh, but the thing I do address is communication. And I say, Hey guys, today, you know, this same nice calm tone that I'm using with you right now is the exact same calm professional tone that you're going to hear from me when I'm on the pitch. I don't mind you asking questions. Now we're certainly, I can't ask a question on every single call that I make. And I'm certainly not going to have the time to explain every call I make. But if there is a situation where you do not understand a call, I don't mind someone coming coming up and say, hey, ref, can you help me understand that call? Sure, no problem. If I've got the time, you know, if we're stopped for like a ceremonial free kick and we're setting up, I don't mind explaining what I saw. No problem at all. But I will promise you, we are not going to argue a call. And I would tell you that 99.99% of the time, I am never going to change my call. So it really doesn't, you know, do you any benefit to argue unless you want to earn yourself a caution for dissent. So is that understood? Is that fair? And usually everyone's like, yep, yeah, sounds good. And that's it. That's all I do. I, I don't go into, hey, you know, make sure you're not pulling here. Hey, make sure you're not doing that. Because I use my voice and communicate and my whistle on the pitch to set the tone for the game. I'm in, in the first two to three minutes, five minutes of every match, I'm looking for an opportunity to call a foul so I can set the bar for what. I want this match to be. I am one of those people who wants to see beautiful football played. I, I want to see the, the laws of the game implemented and beautiful football played. I am not one of those people who's like, I just want to let them play. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. I do not want the game to get so out of hand that it's impossible to bring back in. And then we've got fights and everyone's screaming and crying. And then I try and uh, implement the laws of the game. No, I implement the laws of the game from the first kick of the game and we will have a great day together. And I mean, that, that that's, that's my gig. And I think people love that. So that's just what I do. If you try and say 10 things to them at the beginning of the game, they're not going to remember a single thing. Focus on one that's most important. And for me, that's communication, how to communicate with me, how I'm going to communicate with you and how we're going to get along. And that's what I focus on. All right, cool. Uh, this last part of the call today or the podcast, and I'm really excited about this one, 
is the mailbag. <laughs> That's right. So I get a bunch of messages that are sent to me uh, from you know all over the world every single week. I get people that send me stuff, and I think it's so. Uh, you know, some of them are funny. Some of them are sweet. Some of them are kind. Like, you know, just that one where I got a message from Claire in the UK asking me to do something from the podcast. I get all sorts of stuff. Sometimes I get, you know, oftentimes I get, you know, issues. Hey, how do I deal with this or questions? Um, but I get some that just remind us how difficult of a job that we have as referees. Here's one that I got. I, literally, I got these two ones that I'm going to read you back to back here within like 30 minutes of each other last Saturday evening. Uh, so these are both from the UK. Okay, here it reads, well, first day of the season, and I had to abandon a match after giving three red cards for violent conduct. The away team's linesman, so I'm assuming this is in England, uh, started fighting parents after it and caused a parent brawl. So this is, you know, <laughs> I think this was, he told me it was like a U15 match, and we had three red cards for violent conduct, and... The away team's linesman, so they had a neutral uh, linesman that was supplied, or not neutral, but a, a club-supplied linesman, started getting into a fight and caused a parent brawl on the sideline. Oh my gosh. And then he writes, and then home coach made it worse, so <laughs> kicked off all again after I abandoned it. I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, why is it that parents have to be the worst part of youth soccer in America? Why? Or or around the world, youth football in the world. Like, come on, people. It's not about you. Let your kids have fun and enjoy themselves and learn good life lessons. Uh, obviously, this kid just want, uh, this team just wanted to seem to fight, but ridiculous. Okay, next one. And literally, I kid you not, I got these within moments of each other last week. Uh, it reads... Had to caution a coach during the game who was screaming at me for being biased for knowing everyone on the opposition's team's first name. Now, this one is so interesting because, like today, I'm going down to uh, my local club where my son used to play. He's now graduated now. He doesn't play there anymore. It's, you know, convenient for me. It's 10 miles from my house. They get good level of competition there. And I love working there. And so I know kids who go to the local schools who might be friends with my daughter or my son. And you know, I, I know the kids. I just, I've ref there, you know, I know, they play on the local high school teams and stuff like that. You see them enough, you know their names. And I try and get people's names at check-in when I'm going through the roster. I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly, especially those talented kids, because you're going to need to talk to them during the game. Sometimes using their, their name in conversation, you know, where the coach's name is just enough to kind of break through that reptilian brain and get back to that that human brain that can use logic and reasoning and calm people down. So I think it's so important. So the, the coach got so upset because he was using the opposition names, think he was biased. So he gave him a caution, yell at him for for calling him biased. Now, biased may be something that you may have to go red card if he's yelling about, um, you know, favoring another team or not being, um, you know, proper official. So this it's, so he gave him a yellow card. And then after this coach wind up losing the match four to one, he started moaning at the referee and talking at him again and continuing the same line of him being, you know, biased ref. And so he gave him a second caution and a red card. And then the coach walks away. Think, and the ref's like, I thinking that it's over. However, afterwards he comes marching back to him saying, and I quote, if I ever see you outside of football, I'm going to effing kill you. Literally. I, I, he, he wrote the actual word, but I just went with effing. Um, he says, honestly, know your lights out again, and you won't do anything like this again. 
And so the, the, the referee, you know, shows another red card. <laughs> well, he's already been sent off. Um, player takes him away. And then he turns around, comes at him again and says, seriously, I'll smash you up. Screaming that at the referee. And so this is a teenager. So had to write a crazy r- report, uh, definitely. Um, but it's just absolutely insane. And he actually goes on to write that um, he had to go on to a Zoom call tribunal about it. And that this ref has been previously been banned for laying his hands on a ref. Like how in the world, how in the world is this person allowed to be on a pitch with children or any soccer pitch for that matter? Absolutely insane. Oh, Vezmia, Vezmia. Okay, I got a couple more here that are just, you know, really fascinating. Um, Want to do this one here. <laughs> This one is in Scotland. Uh, this is an 18-year-old referee and a youth match. And two minutes into the match, the red uniforms, blue uniforms, red team, blue team. Two minutes into the match, um, he gives a throw-in to the red team. And the opposing coach yells out for everyone to hear, that's a blue ball, you effing C-word. So effing starts with a C, ends with a T, word. And had to give him a red card for that two minutes into the match. I mean, come on, people. In what world is that okay? (laughs) Especially around children. Oh my gosh. Absolutely killing me. So just so much fun, man. Just absolutely bananas. And I'll just end with one positive one. Um, This is very simple. It's just, I get get a lot of problems every day. I get a lot of questions every day. I get a lot of videos, but sometimes I just get messages of of thank you and appreciation. And this one is, hey, I'm a referee here in Florida and I just want to say I love what you're doing and also that I learned from your videos. Thank you. Um, This was uh, another one. Hey, I love your page, man. I always want you to follow someone making legit referee uh, content. You know, love this kind of stuff. So I, I do love getting you know, these messages, uh, from people who, um, you know, appreciate the channel. It does inspire me. It keeps me going. I'll just read one more here. Um, it says Gerson, love your channel. I was a referee for about four years back in 2010, 2014 loved it, but let it slip as I went to school and got a job post-grad. Your channel inspired me to get back into it. And yesterday I got certified again. I ordered your write-on cards and can't wait to use them. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Your content is informative, thought-provoking, and entertaining. I was watching the Manchester City game with the red card for hands to the neck and thought of you a few hours later, saw your review of it, and I had missed the Foden hands. It could have been called as well. Great job. Keep up the amazing work. Stay safe out there. Um, James, if you're listening, uh, thank you, man. Yeah, You're bringing, literally bringing tears of joy to my eyes. Um, I, I, I love doing this. Um, it has added so much to my life, uh, and so much to my family's life and just changed, uh, my future. Um, so I just want to say thank you for everyone who sends me the messages. Uh, it, it just, it's so inspirational, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I love every single one. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's pod. Uh, life as a referee is always unpredictable. Uh, you never know what to expect in every match. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. Uh, if you like the show and my content, please, please, please consider supporting me by purchasing some merch from refsneedlove2.com or on TikTok or Insta. The pod, website, everything else I do has a cost beyond my time, whether it's the 
the, the, the podcast software that you're listening to this, you know, on has to get paid for in a monthly subscription, the microphone, you know, the lights and all that kind of stuff. You know, it helps cover the cost of doing this. Uh, I want to wish you absolute good luck on the pitch. And I hope your next game is red card free.